long walk to Horror Court Trash Over the Shirts because there's all the masterpieces and trash pieces genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And continuing with our theme this year, this unintentional theme that just keeps coming back to us. Uh, we're back to 90s horror. Yeah. Post scream 90s horror. Yeah. I, th- I think for, for me, pure nostalgia. Yeah. I know we've said it before. Um, it's definitely a theme, but it, it's kind of. These are the kind of films that got us into horror films. Yeah. For me personally, um, these are the kind of films that were around at the time where I was at that age where I wasn't quite old enough to watch all of them. But, you know, my mum would sneakily buy me the VHSs and such, so I'd end up watching them or they'd be on TV and such. So... it. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose we kind of like talking about these sort of films. Oh, definitely. We, we know we know what we're in for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and with with today's film as well, it's a great example of the the scream effect. Uh, you know, it's a meta film. Uh, it's got humor. It's camp, uh, and it's gory, and it is the rage. Carry too. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I feel like maybe I was a little harsh on. Yeah, I enjoyed this the first time I watched it, and I enjoyed it even more this time around. I think this is a really good sequel. I I, I don't understand the 4.7 rating it has on IMDb at all. As a direct um, comparison to the original, it's never going to compare. No. It's no. never going to compare. It's not going to go there. Um, and I would never say it's even close to that five-star masterpiece that Brian De Palma directed in the 70s. You know, but as a late 90s post-scream horror film, the kind of stuff we were getting around that time, this kind of stands out. Yeah. The camp value, of course. You you know, some of it is really heavy-handed. Very um, soap opera. (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. Very over the top. And we can appreciate that. And I, I think it does have a bit of a following with a gay audience who appreciates that sort of thing well i mean it you know it's it's definitely one of those films in the same category as house of wax valentine jennifer's body urban legend in that you know if the sort of audience it's attracting now is not the sort of audience going to see it back in 1999 absolutely um but also some serious messages in this as well some messages that are a little ahead of its time talking about stuff that was going on at that time but wasn't out in the open yeah, and and that's sort of where I, I, the, sometimes the camp comes in because it's very heavy-handed at times for me. And we'll get into it in the podcast. But it does touch on some real serious issues. Yeah. Absolutely. So this was released in 1999, directed by Kat Shear, who directed Strip to Kill 1 and 2. Uh, the first oh, Strip to Kill is a great film. <laughs> um, Dance of the Damned, Street, Poison Ivy. Uh, that has to be... One of our future 90s. Oh, yeah, I. Yeah, the Drew Barrymore film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase, okay. starring the girl from It, yeah. uh, and lots more. But also uncredited Robert Mandel. Um, I, oh no, I'll get into it in the trivia, but I don't think he had a lot to do with this. Um, he directed Independence Day 1983, FX, Touch and Go, Big Shots, School Ties, and Substitute. I think we're definitely seeing a horror film from a woman's perspective, yeah. which is really refreshing. 
and you know the issues it does touch on are to do with you know women yeah you know yeah. women's and not women's issues that's so condescending but to do with women yeah uh, budget twenty one million dollars and it bombed just making just under seventeen point eight million at the box office. Mm. Uh, which is actually surprising. I mean, you know, this is what a year after Halloween H two O. Um, you know, these sort of films are in, especially sequels as well. Did Halloween H two O make big money? Yeah. Oh God, that was yeah. huge. That was huge. That film it was everywhere. Yeah, I don't know why this one wouldn't have. Maybe Carrie wasn't as relevant. No, as I mean Halloween. I remember it from Blockbuster. Just seen it in Blockbuster. Um, I, I don't... Whereas Halloween H2O, you could not get away from it. No matter where you went. On TV, there's advertisements, magazines, newspapers, no matter where you went. That film was being advertised everywhere. It was such a big deal. Um, but this, no, I, I just remember seeing this in Blockbuster. That's about it. I suppose this isn't a slasher film. No. It, it's not a slasher film. And it is at a time where slasher films were the rage. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, this is more of a... Um, I don't suppose... What would you call it? What would you call it? Uh, supernatural. Supernatural, yeah, I suppose so. And I suppose the advertising would have been supernatural. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the the cover and everything. I don't know what it's trying to go for. Um, I mean, it's really shit artwork. <laughs> That's on. Was that the actual? The original, one? the original artwork, where it's literally yeah. just a a picture of the lead character. And that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the new artwork for eighty eight films is is really great, but yeah. the the original is is terrible yeah it is pretty bad <laughs> um sissy spacek was offered a cameo in this sequel uh which she turned down however she did give kat Shea permission to use some of her scenes from carrie for flashbacks okay i wish she hadn't um because they don't quite work <laughs> there's those red soaked flashbacks <laughs> yeah it's completely irrelevant <laughs> what i works. mean well, what would she have had a cameo doing anyway she's dead Oh, she would have been a fucking ghost or something, <laughs> wouldn't she? Oh, Rachel, my half sister. Oh, that would have been great. That during would have been awful. During filming of the climatic party bloodbath sequence, it took three attempts to shoot Rachel using her telekinetic powers to shatter the glass doors. On the first take, Emily Burgle flinched. The second, she sh- she showed her clenched teeth. And on the third take, they're able to finish the scene as they wanted it, showing no facial reaction. Real glass, shattered by the blowers, was used for the scene, and Emily received multiple cuts on her skin, back, arms, legs, and backside, after the shooting of each take. Jesus. Oh, no wonder she was fucking flinching. She's deliberately not showing afterwards for the back to hide her injuries. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that really necessary? With a budget of twenty-one million, like yeah, kidding. I mean you can CGI <laughs> the fucking glasses. I know. <laughs> Shattering. Yeah. Yeah, Come there's, on, guys. there's other CGI in this. There's no yeah. reason to why they couldn't use CGI for that. Uh, aside from archive footage from the first film, Amy Irvin's in this, and she's the only actress and character to return for the sequel. Initially, she was wary of reprising the role and asked Brian De Palma for his blessing, which he gave. Oh, okay. She's kind of been desperate for me. She. It's, I feel like Amy Irvin's a bigger deal than she actually is, like... Uh, she's a big deal for us, isn't she? Yeah. Like, a- Amy Irving, we're like, this is like... You know, um, her third telekinetic film that yeah. we loved. We're like, she's a, tele- a telekinetic icon. Um, but I, I don't know. No, she was a big deal. Was she married was she? to? 
I assume she'd been divorced from Steven Spielberg after... Before this. Maybe. She mustn't have needed the money. She got a good settlement from that. Mm. Um, no, Amy Irving's a big deal. Oh, I don't know. Let us know. If you have absolutely no idea who the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> and that's probably then a sign that she's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's great to see someone come back from the first film. I mean, I I wish there had been more characters. I, I don't know if it had been necessary, but, you know, I love things like that. I don't know. Uh, at the end of the it's, day... It's very shoehorned in. That's, that's, yeah, it is know, shoehorned in. And I, I don't understand why they felt the need for a sequel. It's essentially the same plot as the first Wow, that film. brings me to my next bit of Thank trivia. You. The film began as an original story. Uh, before producers realised how Original. similar <laughs> how similar it was to carry, so they turned it into a sequel. Yeah, it's it's a remake. Let's let's yeah. be fair here, and it's why um, Sue Snell feels shoehorned in. It's why the flashbacks don't really work. Um, it's why Carrie seems to have a half sister that's about what twenty years younger than her. What is going you on know? with Carrie's dad? I mean, yeah. why is he going around fucking random religious women to give them telekinetic kits? Exactly, and not actually travelling that far to get the other one. <laughs> See, he must... So, he must have... Everything that happened in the first film, he then went over and found another so, crazy... Oh, that was Christian fun. Let's woman. do this again. Yeah. Wonder how this will turn out. And also, his name's Ralph. Ralph. Ralph White. <laughs> can, we, can we get the Ralph carry free, please? Yeah, well, do you remember... In, we did a podcast on the first film. Um, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Um, and we decided that Ralph was actually the villain of the piece. <laughs> Because he was just, it was all his fault. It all it's came true. from him. And this, you know, again, Ralph is the villain of the piece. He shags these women, fucks off somewhere, leaves them to deal with the telekinetic genetics that he's left behind. Absolutely. Yeah, and it I, all ends in disaster. We we need a closing part of the trilogy that is is literally just called the Ralph. The Ralph. Carry free. Well, how many years since this? Since Rage carrying enough years for him to get someone else up the duff to send out on the telekinetic rampage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose twenty five years been close to twenty five years <laughs> since the Rage. So yeah, if uh, anyone wants to contact us to help develop the Ralph, yeah, um, the Ralph. we're fully interested. Um, loosely based on a real life nineteen ninety three incident in which a group of high school jocks, the Spur Posse, were involved in a sex scandal. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's the part that really touches on um, very much relevant uh, societal issues. Yeah. Uh, Rage was also the title of the first novel that Stephen King published under his other name, Richard Bachman. Okay. That novel climaxed with a school shooting, and after a string of real school shootings, King decided not to allow the book to be published anymore. Interesting enough, the sequel was released one month before the Columbine shooting. Of oh, this film? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, the that the Rage was the name of that book by Stephen King. Oh, wow. Uh, which is shocking, because I, thought, I just thought Carrie was his first book. I didn't know there was another one. No, that was under his a first different name. book. Yeah. yeah, so he used the pseudonym yeah. after. Oh, he used it after? Yeah, so oh, the whole okay. idea was that... I, I, I don't know if he was, you know, 
obviously Stephen King, every one of his books was a massive bestseller. Mm. You know, people read it and uh, don't quote me on it, but I think the idea was that he was like, well, are people just reading this because it's Stephen King? Yes. I'm going to put it out there with a different name, see if it sells. And obviously it did, but then he took it off the shelves. (laughs) Originally entitled The Curse... And then titled Carrie 2, Say You're Sorry. Oh my god. Before yeah. final title, The Rager's Chosen. Uh, the Brazilian Portuguese title for the film uh, translates as The Curse of Carrie. Oh, it's better than. What was the second one you said? <laughs> say You're Sorry. Say You're Sorry. It's better than Say You're <laughs> Carrie Sorry. Carrie 2, Say You're Sorry. What the fuck is that? A few weeks into production, director Robert Mandel quit over creative differences and Katia hurriedly uh, took over the reins with uh, less than a week to prepare for, to start filming and two weeks worth of footage to reshoot. So I don't know why he's uncredited as a director on IMDb when he basically did fuck all. Well, yeah, if she had to go back and reshoot his scenes, mm-hmm. then, yeah, none of his directing is in the final film yeah. so we shouldn't be credited in any way uh, most of the actors are in their 20s playing high school students because it's the 90s Zachary Ty Bryan Eddie K. Thomas and Mina Savari were all teenagers though when this film was made okay uh, several characters were purposely inspired by the show Friends again because we're in the 90s <laughs> Rachel Lang uh, was named after Rachel Green Monica Jones named after Monica Geller and Mark Bing named after Chandler Bing oh my god <laughs> thanks 1999 thanks <laughs> so getting into it a horrible massacre strikes up after an outcast teenager is taunted by a group of high school jocks all of them unaware by uh, cutthroat telekinetic powers, no pun intended, for what happens during the final yeah. sequence. And that's the official synopsis as well. That's the official synopsis because, I, I mean, what else are you going to fucking do with a Carrie sequel apart <laughs> from just rehash the first film's yeah. plot, you know? You might as well give it all away well, because very much, everyone knows it. Yeah, very much like the first film, the main selling point of this film is the third act. Yes. But there's a lot there's a lot of enjoyable stuff to be found before that. Absolutely. Um, starting off, you could easily mistake this for a Romero film with this blue and red. Yes. Um, uh, if anyone doesn't know, I'm, I'm referring to Creepshow and Day of the Dead, but never mind. Um, yes, blue and red. Blue lighting with red paint and cheap-looking opening credits. Yeah, they do look quite cheap. So what we get is a slow close-up of red paint being painted on a wall. It's dripping over some Jesus uh, statues. Yeah. So, so this film's they're Margaret not Knight. subtle. <laughs> so you got Jesus there looking like Carrie at the end of Carrie with <laughs> red paint dripping on him. Um, we get a voice saying, "You can't have my daughter," and we know we realise that there's a thick red line of paint being painted all around the room. Now I don't know what this means or what it signifies. I don't know if it's some sort of way of keeping out bad spirits. It's never really identified no. what. I mean, obviously the red paint going everywhere is a good visual, but I don't know what it means. I think it's very much just... I mean, this film, the way this film um, deals with uh, with crazy people is by making them do random shit. So uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very much that. Absolutely. Um, it's it's this film's version of Margaret White, of course. Um, yes. And 
her daughter Rachel and dog Walter watches her paint the place red. Yeah, her child wants uh, Rachel wants to play with her, but instead gets slapped around the face <laughs> with the uh, paintbrush, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, paramedics and police arrive to take Rachel's mum away, and she tells the cop that she doesn't have a dad uh, before watching the ambulance take her mother away. Yes. And we get some uh, telekinesis as the cop chases Rachel inside, and she starts making all the doors shut and the windows open and close. Yeah, so a little different to the original where uh, Carrie's powers came from her first period. Mm. Um, this is Rachel's, her powers are from childhood. Well, I feel like the the signal, the, it's some sort of signal that she's painting the house red and then her powers show after. Mm, but then, later in the film, Sue asks Rachel's mother if she'd ever seen objects move mm. you know and rachel's mother is like oh yeah you know yeah. i have you know sue's on on to us now mm. um so that sort of stuff must have been happening for you know quite a while before this incident have you read the book uh for the first carry no uh, no because i don't know if this is something in the book but even in the remake uh with the the Chloe Moretz remake, the it shows you Carrie being born at the start, and there's a bit of a hint of the telekinesis being in use then when she's a baby and she's just been born. Okay. So I don't know whether that's very carrying on from something from the book. Um, um maybe. maybe. Um, I, I, from what I've read of the book, I, I I never finished it, and um, not because it was bad, it just never happened. Um, one of the things was a like a rain of stones and rocks over the house mm. um so i don't know mm. i don't know it's a mystery i know if you do know let us know rachel's now an adult and still has a cute dog walter uh she wakes up to some she, the, 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 she wakes up to some metal on the radio she does <laughs> she sneaks the dog out the window and at breakfast, her foster parents thought they heard the dog indoors last night. They're absolutely fuming yeah. at the thought of this dog being indoors at night time. Uh, Rachel's foster mum... Um, oh, Rachel's real mum might be getting released soon. Um, Rachel's foster parents are saying. Yeah. Uh, to which her foster father says, where are we going to get our $300 a month from now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so very, very much Rachel is an unwanted foster child. Um, yeah, she then gets on the school bus and has a chat with Heather for American Pie. She does. So this is this is the uh, the range of Mina Savari. Um, in the same year that she was the American Beauty herself, she's forced to play a um, alternative girl. Like, what, still what absolutely gorgeous. What but a year for Mina Savari. But played up to be a real minga because she, what, what wears long skirts. Yeah. <laughs> she loves a long skirt in this film. Um, yeah. Down to her ankles. <laughs> yeah, she's telling Rachel about how she lost her virginity. Um, yeah, she's. Um, she thinks that she potentially looks different because she lost her virginity. <laughs> Uh, not to Kevin Spacey, thankfully, in this film. Um, and that's why she didn't call Rachel all weekend. Was it not to Chris Klein? 
It wasn't Chris <laughs> Klein either. Bloody hell. That's quite the trilogy of uh, Mina Savara losing her virginity, isn't it? Um, she, she, they uh, both get out their matching rose tattoos. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty hideous, to be fair. They are the most 90s tattoos you'll ever see. They really are. And they look so helpful. They do they're really, really Because cheap. they don't look like real tattoos. They're like real brightly coloured. And it's like, they look like it's painted on. Um, which it probably was, obviously. <laughs> we get um, some 90s ska punk music. We do. It's far Behind by the Hippos. Uh, now on our, now that's what I call Horror Court Trash of yes. a Spotify playlist. Um, and we get a nice little montage of school stereotypes. Yeah. The cheerleaders are cheerleading. The skaters got their skateboards. The jocks are checking out all the girls. Um, some girl in real hideous jeans, really unflattering <laughs> as well, gets her ass checked out, which was nice for her, isn't it? So yeah. We know where we're going with this film. Yeah, from the get-go. From the get-go. Yeah, they're sexualising every single girl they see. Yeah. It's... They've got their camcorder out and, and all that. Comparing the, um, the films with, um, Mina Savari from that year look at the transition between this and American Pie so you got this where immediately you know I mean obviously this is directed by a woman immediately you know the jocks and they're sexualizing everything it isn't okay it isn't glorifying it it isn't making it funny and then you have something like American Pie where every girl sexualizing it's just played for laughs yeah so I mean and then look at which one was better received out of the two. It's really interesting to look back on. No, absolutely. Um, you look at... Uh, spoiler alert for this film uh, and American Pie, maybe. <laughs> but you look at the whole videotaping without consent. Yeah. In American Pie, it's played for laughs. Yeah. You know, that is the key scene that everyone refers to. That and Shaggy mm. the Pie. In this film, this is the cat- that is the catalyst for... Rachel to kill everyone yeah and take her revenge because they have videotaped her without her consent mm-hmm. it, it, it is it's quite an interesting um juxtaposition I yeah hope I'm using that word correctly between the two um yeah and then if you look at how they translate to modern day as well where more people will probably be willing to agree that this is aged better than American Pie mm. Um, I think that just, you know, it definitely shows how far we've came yeah. since then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because looking back and watching American Pie, it's uncomfortable, mm. you know, a lot of the time. It is very uncomfortable. Yeah. And and that's not to say, you know, American Pie is completely terrible, completely right off. I no. mean, the sequels are probably aged better than the first film, but that scene in particular, it just doesn't sit well at all it's a sign of the times and you know we we can forgive to a certain degree Mm. a film not aging very well but you all always have to keep that in mind when watching something and 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 realizing you know that it's not okay yeah and we because we kind of forgive it in american pie although we want to talk about it and talk Mm. about what that means any film in 2021 that has the same thing, it's, you know, automatic. No. Nah. Yeah. No, thank yeah. you. No. You should have learned from American Pie's mistakes. Yeah. Um, so it's revealed that 
uh, Eric, one of the jocks, has slept with Lisa, and they're all having a laugh about it. Uh, and we get, we get a random 10 seconds of staring between Re- between Rachel and uh, Jesse. Yeah. Like, with nothing else, just yeah. staring. Um, it's uh, it's now English class, and one of Rachel's classmates is Finch from American Pie. He is, barely in the film. Is he gay in I this film? I don't know. No, I, I think he has a thing for Rachel, but it's never played on enough. There's a scene where he's talking to a letter and he is very camp. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was camping American Pie. Yeah. And he still managed to sexualise every woman that ever crossed his path. Well, one in particular. One in particular, of course. <laughs> I mean, and it's Jennifer Coolidge, so... <laughs> but one thing established in this is that the jocks give each other points for their yeah. conquests. Um, so the idea is that one guy got extra points because he was brave enough to have sloppy seconds... And uh, one girl got six points for the jock, even though she's not even fat. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, Lisa goes to her, uh, Lisa being um, Mia Savari, because I don't think we even mentioned her name, um, goes to a locker where she keeps the front cover of Live Through This by Hole and a picture of Marilyn Manson pinned up. She does. <laughs> she is very much the alternative girl of 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two girls, uh, being Tracy and Monica, discuss Mark and Jesse's party whilst a creepy guy films their asses. Yeah. <laughs> and these girls are in with the jocks. They, and they're but, still... Well, they are. I mean, it's... I suppose the idea is that it's easier to be with them and laugh it off mm. than to be on the other side getting barked at because you're, what, coyote dates? What yeah, were they called? Something like that. Yeah, so the idea is that Rachel and Lisa, uh, they get barked at because they're coyotes. Mm. Because you'd want to gnaw your arm off in the morning just to get out. Yeah, apparently. Um, Lisa goes to the school's gardening area on the roof. Okay, first of all, do schools have gardening areas I on the know. roof? For gardening club only? I was so confused by that. But yeah, on the roof, there they are. Two more alternative girls tending to their tomato plants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she throws herself off it, which surprised me both times I watched this now, because I always forget she dies this early on. Yeah. Um, always felt like she's going to be a bigger, much bigger deal in the film. But yeah, she throws herself off the roof and lands on a car with some really gory detail. It is, yeah. Proper sl- it doesn't cut away, does no. it? Um, yeah, her face slams into the car. Um we find out that Sue Snell is the guidance counsellor yep. at the high school and the jock with the video camera goes in for a uh, nice close-up of Lisa's face and he says, whoa, whose car is this? Yeah, um, Rachel's fuming, so all the school lockers fly open. Yes, and we get slow-mo Rachel running out of the school yeah. into the woods. As Snoo, uh, Snoo, Snoo. Sue makes an, announce, an announcement over the tannoy. I'd call it tannoy, what would you yeah. call it? Um, I suppose it's tannoy. tannoy I have no idea. <laughs> um, I mean, if anyone hasn't uh, seen Carrie, um, it's weird that you listen to us if you haven't. Um, but if you haven't seen it or listened to our podcast episode, Sue Snell was a uh, bully turned nice girl who helped, well, tried to. Put a stop to what Carrie was doing, didn't she? 
but uh, tried to prevent it happening. Yeah, so so she's the one that set up Carrie to have a date for the prom. Yeah, um, and she was the only one that survived because apparently in the seventies, if you didn't have a prom date, you just weren't allowed to go to the prom. Yeah, um, that's a whole different story. Uh, but yeah, so she's the only one that survived. Uh, first film. Eric and Mark discuss how Eric thought Lisa was going steady and did something. Uh, it's a very vague discussion. They don't really say what he did. Um, I mean, obviously, he had sex with her, but... Uh, Mark promises him that no one will find out about it, but Eric reveals Lisa took a picture of the two of them, and Eric says he'll sort it. Yeah. No, no, Mark says he'll sort Which one's Eric? Oh, okay, Mark says he'll sort it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the whole idea is that I thought that Eric was going to be um, likeable. Um, he turns out worse than all the rest. Yes. Um, but he seemed to... I don't know, I got the impression that he, he actually liked Lisa. But because his friends mm. weren't fond uh, and thought that she was a dog, um, then he called it off. And she was just points in the book. Yeah. Um, obviously, he called it off. She killed herself because of it. Um, so I'm, I'm not really a massive fan of that as a storyline. No. But, you know, um, yeah, he's nervous that his football career will be jeopardised if this all comes out. Yeah, so uh, Rachel uh, works in a photo developing place because, you know, they were a thing back then. Okay, not even just a photo developing place, a drive drive through photo <laughs> developing place. Like I'd never heard of this. What's this? <laughs> Here in the UK, we just go to Boots. <laughs> in America, like all night. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's like late at night, isn't it? It's like uh huh. You know, dark. It's night time, and she's there. You know, processing these photographs. Yeah. She develops the one of Eric and Lisa. Uh, but doesn't notice it. No, she doesn't look at it, does she? It's really weird. I thought she did. Mm. But seemingly she didn't. Yeah. Um, but Jess... it ends up with the police later on anyway. Yeah, yeah. Jesse and Mark show up and ask for Lisa's photos. Uh, Mark tries offering money and a date. Uh, but Rachel doesn't want to take that date, does she? No, because she's a lesbian. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Um, it, it uses a derogatory term for a lesbian, which I won't repeat on the podcast. Um, but, yeah, she says that she's a lesbian, and that's why she won't go on the date with him. I, I honestly thought she was going to turn out to be a lesbian. Yeah, I would have... I, I don't know. I suppose it would have ruined the whole plot of the film by the end of <laughs> well, it. Well, yeah. Um, but what transpires... Um, but it would have been it would have been nice if she was. I think still... I think representation. I, I think some fans probably still look at it that way. Um, despite what happens with her and uh, the other girl, the jock. Um, because there's a few LGBT podcasts that have covered this film as well, and they they mentioned some, you know, analogies and such. Yeah, and I think something that I sort of took from the film that I'll get into later is the idea that actually Rachel changes who she is. Yeah. Um, by the end. And potentially, maybe that's something that she changed. Yeah. You know, about... not. I'm not... Obviously, I'm not saying you can change your sexuality on the, on the flip of a coin. Um, but maybe, you know, she gave... I don't know. No, no. Strike that. Could be bisexual. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, the police and Sue speak to Rachel about a note and uh, the picture that they found with Lisa and Eric, which they now have um, for some reason. <laughs> Uh, and Sue wants to uh, press, press charges because Eric is 18 and Lisa was 16, so it's statutory rape. Uh, the cop asks if she's sure she's not just trying to save the girl who died 25 years ago. <gasps> what girl's that? Well, we get a red flashback to the <laughs> plug it up scene from Carrie. We do, <laughs> just in case you haven't seen the original. <laughs> but then even if you hadn't seen the original, out of context... That still makes no sense. Yeah. It's just Sissy Spacek being shouted at in the yeah. shower. By, yeah, by Sue. By Sue, yeah. <laughs> um, Tracy has sex with Jesse in the backseat of his car whilst the other jocks watch on and cheer. And she gets two points for it in uh, in the shag book. Oh, yeah, he gets, yeah. What does, what does Mark give her two points when he wasn't the one doing it? Well, they, they would just decide. I'm, mm. assuming, I'm assuming he's just in charge of whatever the points are. Um, Tracy says that was great. And uh, she does. Very convincing. <laughs> and the jocks all cheer as Jesse swings Tracy's knickers uh, after leaving the vehicle. Did you see that bit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Tracy's a victim as well yeah. as uh, Rachel. Um, she clearly has very low self-esteem mm-hmm. and she is play. I mean, Jesse's a bit of a prick for doing that. I yeah. mean, that's never dealt with, um, you know, swinging her knickers for all his friends to mm. cheer at. I mean, the fact that he did it with them, they're watching anyway. Yeah. So then, uh, they, the jocks drive off and one of them vomits out the car as they do. Uh, and then Jesse and Tracy discuss Lisa's death. Uh, now, this is where I don't like Tracy, uh, because she says she wasn't anyone. Yeah, she, she ain't bothered about it because she, she, she was no she was one, no one Um Whereas I think it kind of shows that Jesse is feeling a little guilty about it and having some sort of involvement, you know, just that guilty by association. Yeah. Um, Rachel's doing the washing up when she makes a spoon shake in black and white and makes the whole sink shake. She yeah, we get these little um, transitions to black and white throughout, and it's weird. I, I don't hate it, but it's a, it's a really weird choice. I don't like it. I don't think it's necessary. No. It's like, do you know, the spoon's moving by itself. <laughs> we know this is a film about telekinetic powers. We don't need you to go into black and white. <laughs> you know, just, you know, the, the original didn't. No. We know what's going on. We know that, you know, um, this is Rachel's doing. We yeah. Don't, we don't need to, a change of style to differentiate between it. I didn't, I didn't get it. Uh, Walter runs away and uh, Rachel's stepdad just lets him go. And uh, gets hit by a truck. In an awfully graphic scene. You don't see a dog get run over. Yeah, so not only does it get hit, it also gets ran over, yeah. like under the wheels. Uh, Rachel runs out, picks up Walter, and <laughs> obviously they've just given her the real dog to hold. Yeah. Now, the dog looks extremely bored <laughs> rather than in pain. <laughs> and I'm surprised that... 
the dog survives. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, the dog survives the whole film. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised because it has li- it literally got run over. It's like um, the hitchhiker guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Like proper <laughs> squished into the tyres. <laughs> like this dog should be in half. And it's just there looking bored. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad the dog survived, but it, it is a little ridiculous. It is I don't know why the dog wasn't just hit. Why did it have to be run over as well? <laughs> and it's by a guy with a truck who has a uh, a cart with pigs attached to the back of it. So he wasn't just yeah. run over once. Yeah. He's run over by like <laughs> about six sets of wheels. This dog should be roadkill, like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Staring arms like what? What's for dinner? Jesse's conveniently driving down the same road, uh, so Rachel makes his windshield crack, and he takes them to the vet. Yeah, he's taking absolutely no notice of the road, which apparently no one ever does on that stretch of uh, road. No. Um, but to get his attention, the you know the window smashes using Rachel's telekinetic powers. We get a really bizarre line delivery um, from the veterinarian. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. He really could not act at all. Yeah. <laughs> the dog's going to be fine. And it's like, oh, okay, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, in my favourite scene from the film, <laughs> uh, Jesse takes Rachel out to a, um, oh, what do you call it? It's like a calf. Like a cafe. A cafe. What do they call it in America? They call it Diner. America? Diner, that's it. So takes... Oh, I've got it written down here as well. Nice handwriting, Chris. Uh, takes her, Rachel, out to the diner to, I don't know, cheer her up or celebrate over the two. Um, seem, I don't know. They seem perfectly happy. <laughs> she's covered in blood. I mean, she's got a massive vet bill coming away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're there, and Jesse is not a fan of the music no. playing. So he's looking at the jukebox requests. And uh, says, they got no garbage. <laughs> to which Rachel says, you like garbage? <laughs> and Jesse says, oh yeah, Shirley Manson rocks. <laughs> <laughs> now. The most 90s the dialogue most exchange 90s dialogue. Like, oh, oh my God, he's one of, he's one of us. He's an angst guy. He likes garbage. <laughs> He listens to rock music. Now, obviously, in this house, we stand garbage and we stand <laughs> Shirley Manson. We're seeing them in November. Yeah. We're seeing them in November. Um, but that's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Did they translate to America that quickly? Yeah, I think the... so. Yeah, they were big in America. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were big enough in America. Uh, but also not too big. Uh, for, for, us to re- for us to realise that, oh, he doesn't like mainstream music. Oh, nice. Yeah, He's a, not like the other jocks. It's a very surprising line of dialogue, but it is one of the best di- lines of dialogue in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they discuss Lisa. Um, yeah. Yeah, it goes on a bit. <laughs> yeah, goes on a bit. They discuss Lisa and, and her getting a lift home and a few jokes about limos and stuff. Oh, no, don't. No, seriously. This is what I've got written down. So when they discuss Lisa, um, Rachel says, now that I know if I see someone that looks like Lisa, when she turns around, I know it won't be her. <laughs> um, which is really weird. Which is a, a weird sort of throwback to when Lisa jumps off the roof and... Rachel thinks that another girl in a really long skirt 
is Lisa. Yeah. Even though the hair's completely different. Um, but it's, it's so weird. It's like weird dialogue. It just <laughs> sounded really weird to me. And she's like, now I know that anyone that I mistake for Lisa, because I do it all the time, will not be Lisa anymore. <laughs> like, what? Might be Shirley Manson. Might be Shirley Manson. She rocks. <laughs> Um, he gives her a lift home and they say goodnight. Oh, I wrote, sorry, I wrote down after that. I was like, were long skirts that popular in 1999? <laughs> um, he gives her a lift home in a bizarre series of events. They say goodnight and uh, he offers to shake her hand. Because, I mean, first of all, that's fucking weird anyway. Yeah. Um, but then she gets an electric shock. Yeah, there's a literal spark between them. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, Rachel then has a black and white dream about Lisa's suicide. Uh, but instead of Lisa landing on a car, it's Rachel. Yeah, so I'm just, again, not understanding this black and white, you know. As far as I knew, flashbacks should be in red. Uh, black and white is saved for telekinetic powers, so I don't know why this flashback is in black and white. Um, Weird Sue, style choice. Yeah, Sue tells Rachel that she knows her mother is in Arkham Asylum, which is a really... Weird reference to the Batman comics. I don't know why. Do you know what I don't get? Is that so many films, so many films have Arkham Asylum. Now, I didn't realise until the whole Batman thing that Arkham Asylum is Bat... You know, in the Batverse? What would you describe it? The DC universe. The DC universe. But I didn't realise that... So I thought Arkham Asylum was maybe a type of asylum. <laughs> what other films has it been in? I've honestly the only one. I feel like loads. I genuinely feel like loads. I will try and get a list together where the asylums are called Arkham Asylum. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I swear, it's in so many films. I promise you. Well, Sue um, uses this moment to do the only thing she's in the film for and gives her backstory. <laughs> About how she was also in Arkham, uh, and then she gets a red flashback to the dream sequence that he had to carry. (laughs) Yes. Spoiler alert for the greatest jump scare of all time. Um, So... Oh, what would you say? Best jump scare of all time. The end of Carrie. Friday the 13th. Or Friday the 13th. Yeah. Or Day of the Dead. No, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, okay. Um, You're entitled to your wrong opinion. (laughs) Yeah, but the carry ones never made me jump. No, every time. Every no. time. Yeah. Um, but it is a great scene. But, um, oh, no, the greatest jump scare of all time is uh, the head and jaws. Oh, yeah. That, that is 100%. Yeah, um, Sue tries to <laughs> offer more help for Rachel, but we get a reenactment of the Cassie scene from the first film. Uh, Rachel says, no, and makes a thank you mug fly off the desk. And then a really weird dialogue exchange. Sorry, I must have knocked it. I didn't see you knock it. <laughs> it's Carrie. Um, Eric's at his cool locker full of sexy lady pictures. Yeah, so um, he's got pictures of scantily, la- scantily clad ladies. Scantily lads. Scantily Ooh. lads. <laughs> oh, we'll see them in a bit. He's got uh, scantily clad ladies stuck to the inside of his locker where all their heads are cut off. Which I quite liked this as maybe a little metaphor for how they see women. Yeah. So they just see them as a body and not their true face or their brain. You know, I never thought it was a good 
um, sort of little um, in insert into you know into their psyche. Yeah. From their locker, because clearly in the Rage Carry Two, lockers say a lot about people. They do. Rachel appears and makes his locker slam shut. She says, I know what you did to her. Then we go at football practice. In a really gay series of events. Yeah, very (laughs) Freddy's Revenge. Uh, At football practice, they're watching a video of their previous game. Uh, Eric and Mark are chatting shit about getting their own back on uh, Rachel. Or getting to Rachel. And the coach is fuming that Mark's chatting during his uh, little lecture. And he makes Mark drop his shorts, get his bare ass out, gets a real good close-up of yep. his ass, uh, the, the coach does, and he says that he was just checking to see if he has a tampon. Yeah, um, Mark is wearing a jock strap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is he wearing a jock strap? He is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to make the scene that more gay, yeah. you know. Um, so, again, it's... I don't know, maybe a little reference to... It's a silly scene, it's, you know, but maybe a little reference to taught behaviour and the idea that what could be the biggest insult to give to Mark Mm. make it sound like he's a woman. Yeah. You know, come on, you know. Um, Obviously taught behaviour from the adults around them. Mm-hmm. This real obnoxious coach um, has helped to create this obnoxious football team, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the the cop questions Eric about Lisa and tries saying he's never met her before but the cop shows him the picture. And uh, Jesse invites Rachel to meet him at the diner. Well, uh, before Arnie tells her that dating the jock isn't a good idea and points out Tracy staring at them. Yeah, yeah, so this, this is, what, the third, the second of three scenes that we get Arnie in? Yeah. Um. So this is where I thought that maybe Arnie was, had the hots for Rachel. It's weird because his sort of relationship to Rachel wasn't really established before, the, and now he's given her life advice. Mm. Um. So, yeah, it's it's a bit weird. It, it, he's a character that maybe didn't need to exist. Yeah. He's just a random nerd that, you know, he's there to oppose the jocks. They just need two stars from American Pie in the film. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, someone to get top billing. Uh, Eric tells Mark that he's been taken to court and Eric tells him to get in a car so they could do some damage control. Yeah, it's established that Eric's father is a lawyer. Of course he is. <laughs> and uh, we cut to Rachel fresh out of the shower. She's in a nice red towel, isn't she? Yeah. Because everything has to be red. <laughs> uh, and she hears noises and banging. We're then suddenly in black and white as the banging intensifies. Again, I don't know why we've cut to black and white. <laughs> Um, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't, I don't understand the black and white. And we, we find out that it's Eric and Mark. Um, I don't know why that was such a big reveal. Um, but yeah, we then get flashbacks to the beginning of the film with uh, Mm -hmm. Rachel as a child. And then in a very meta act, we get a phone call to which Mark asks, 
what's your favourite scary movie? In a Donald Duck voice. In a Donald Duck voice. <laughs> oh yeah, I did it as Scream. When I should have, I can't do a Donald Duck voice. Don't. Yeah, I mean, this is like ridiculously on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he then asks if she's naked or wearing a red towel. <gasps> Eric and another jock put the uh, windows through with some bricks. And Eric puts on some knuckle dusters and tries to climb through the window, but Rachel shuts the window down on him with uh, her telekinesis. Yes. Rachel's foster parents return. Um, So Eric and Mark leave, and they're absolutely fuming. Now, Rachel's on the phone to the police, Mm. and then she says, oh, no, everything's fine now. Yeah, because so, her horrible foster parents came home. The fucking hell, they yeah, but they're fuming, obviously, because there's smashed glass all over the floor. But they don't follow up on it either. No. So they, this whole incident is not followed up on. And I just, I think it's maybe, con- considering Rachel, you know, had no relationship with these people. Yeah, she's a bit scared by, you know, what they've done. But you thought her foster parents mm. would want to take action. Yeah. Or... You know, um, she was willing to give the photo over really quickly. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was just a weird out of character move for mm-hmm. her to just be like, no, you know, um, no, it's fine now. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like carrying on throughout the film, she does change a lot of who I thought she was at the beginning. I think that since. Uh, I think that starts after she starts getting really involved with Jesse. Yeah. Um, which I think that, you know, there's a lot that can be said there considering what he's like and the fact that he's part of that group. Even though he claims to be different, he's still part of that group of jocks. Uh, and then she starts making some stupid decisions after getting involved with him. Like, this whole sequence is just let go. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. She has a bit of a go in the next day, but... She gets another phone call before the scene ends where Mark tells her, don't go telling stories on my boy, Eric. That's a bit weird. Yeah, but the thing... <laughs> yeah, I know. But the thing is, she's already told the stories. Yeah. You know, it's already it's already happened. She can't take them back. So I, don't understand, I didn't understand the point of this scene. Yeah. Um, anyway, the next day, Rachel is fuming with Jesse because she thinks he's part of it. Uh, and Jesse is fuming with her because she stood him up. And then Tracy is fuming because Jesse is hot for Rachel. Yeah, which and Monica tells her, come on, Trace, you're caviar. She's cheese whiz. <laughs> Oof. Don't want to be cheese whiz. And uh, <laughs> Rachel says the cheesy, it is a cheesy line. It is the cheesy line. Um, but a very late 90s teen film line of... Guys like you are supposed to date girls like Tracy. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, what is Tracy? <laughs> she, she doesn't even fit cheer- to any stereotypes. Was she actually a cheerleader? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose Tracy fits into the cheerleader. But they're all, like... They're not, like, dressed very sexy. No. Um, they're not... Considering 90s films normally ram it down your throat yeah. in the stereotype. Has to be the hot girl. She has to be, you know, really sexy. Tracy walks around in a sweater and jeans for most of it. Yeah. Like, and like, ill-fitting jeans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Jesse convinces Rachel to go on a date that evening anyway. So, uh, she... 
So this is, and I'll just continue my point about Rachel changing. What I feel like this film has very similar uh, similarities to is Greece. Greece. You know the whole idea of um, Sandy changing mm. um, to fit in with. Um, Danny's ideal woman by the end mm -hmm. you know she was a good girl and then the whole film you know and then she suddenly turns at the end and she's this leather clad uh, smoking lady yeah you know which is her changing to become what Danny wanted her mm -hmm. to be and um, I think it's quite similar to that because I thought and I'm not, maybe I'm reading too much into it but in the original film Carrie never had an identity. No. She she never did. She always just wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I feel like Rachel in this film, how it's established is that she never wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Is that she was perfectly fine with being who she was. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the loss of Lisa had anything to do with that because she was at least to fall back on. Um, but she seems to change... Um, and become something different to how she was initially established. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I it, it's it's yeah. where it's, it's a bit iffy for me, mm -hmm. is the fact that she seemed to be anti all of that and then suddenly became what she hated. Mm -hmm. Whereas Carrie in the original film never really fit in, but she always wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, it's just a, a part of the film that doesn't sit quite well Yeah. with me. I don't, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but, um, yeah. And so Jesse convinces Rachel to go out of him again and, uh, he tells Markov in the changing room in another very gay scene, very gay. um, where multiple guys are getting their ass out in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So they have an argument in the locker room and it's hard for us as an audience to take it seriously because all we can see is the bare asses in the background. <laughs> Mark says, we're all friends here. To which Jesse says, no, we just grew up together. Okay. Um, Sue is bothering Rachel again. <laughs> All she does is bug Rachel for an entire film. Yeah. And then tell her a life story. Um, she starts asking her some random questions, and her, her final one is, uh, sometimes I can move things with my mind. And Rachel is fuming at this question and makes the snow globe in the office smash. She does. This causes Sue to have another red flashback to the prom scene from the first film, along with some iconic dialogue from Margaret White. What dialogue would that be, Gary? I don't know. You're going to tell me. I'm all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> and it's not even the only time it makes an appearance in this film, no. either. Um, Rachel and Jesse go on their date to a car park somewhere and it starts raining, so they sit inside the car when Rachel tells Jesse a story about a guy who could suck spaghetti through his nose and mouth. Yeah, so which she um, explains herself because I had no idea what the story meant either. <laughs> and she tells, tells Jesse that this story was to remind him that football is his talent. Yeah. And he still can do whatever he wants. Still don't understand. He can do whatever he wants in his future. If this man can snort spaghetti up his nose, then you can do anything <laughs> with your future. Apparently. Apparently so. Um, they make out, Rachel tells them she's a virgin and she doesn't want to get on in his car because she wants it to be special and she wants them to bring her flowers. Yeah, daisies. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Sue visits, Sue <laughs> sticks her nose in where it's not wanted yet again, and she goes and visits Rachel's mum at Arkham Asylum. Sue gets harassed by some stereotypes of mental patients. Yeah, some guy's banging his head against the wall and saying, I don't know, repeatedly. Yeah, to which no one's really dealing with any of this. No. She's just allowed to walk in amongst everyone where everyone's just, like, going around doing whatever they want to do. It's really weird. Um, She, uh, Rachel's mum won't tell Sue who Rachel's father is. And Sue um, gives a backstory on telekinesis. Uh, I don't know where she got it all from, but apparently men are the carrier of the telekinetic powers. And it turns out that Rachel White is Rachel... Oh, Ralph... Rachel, Rachel White. Ralph White. And it turns out that Ralph White is Rachel's father and Rachel is Carrie White's half-sister. So, um, yeah. <laughs> apparently, Sue Snell is the... Uh, um, what should we call it? Expert. Expert, thank <laughs> you. Struggling for me words today. Uh, she's an expert on telekinetics and she genetics. Is. So she bothers Rachel again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes her to the ruins of the first film school. Yeah. And uh, tells her what happened, along with more red prom flashbacks. Yeah, so Rachel plays it off as if it's some sort of urban legend. Because they said that Elvis... Yeah, the story is Elvis took Carrie to the prom. And then he escaped in a UFO. And then he escaped in a UFO. Um, Eric and his father are discussing the charges against him. Uh, Eric names the other jocks, and that would ruin the young boys' lives. And uh, his father says that that would ruin some of the most prominent families in town. Um, so I don't know who it was. Um, I'm, so I'm going to say district attorney. I don't know. Um, but he says, I think that about solves it and no charges are brought against Eric. He gets away with it. Yeah. With a smug fucking face as he leaves. Yeah. And, and again, you know, people in power covering up things like that. And again, something that's only came out over the past, what, over the past 10 years now, would you say or so? Yeah. Um, but, you know, something that wasn't really being touched on within films around that time. So it, it is... It is... Yeah, I think it's one of those things that we... I don't know. This very much um, needs a big... A longer discussion than we, we can give on this podcast. Um, but the whole idea of the casting couch mm. and how women were treated in Hollywood was always known... But never dealt with it. Never yeah. sort of came out. It was just sort of one of those things that happened, um, and it's only recently that it's come out, and people have said, actually, no, this is bullshit. This is wrong. Yeah. This is against the law, and people should be punished for it. Um, and even in nineteen ninety nine, this whole idea of, you know, because someone a, a guy comes from a prominent family in town, or because he's um, a football star uh, or sports, you know, really good at sports, then they can get away with whatever they like mm. because a lot of... And this is very weird for us here in the UK to sort of think about, is that somebody can be really good at sports and then that gets them a free educational scholarship mm-hmm. to a college. Yeah. Uh, I, that's really weird for us here because it doesn't work like that. 
Um, but in America, you know, the plenty of people have gotten scholarships because they've been very good at sport. And with these scholarships comes lots of money for, you know, the high school and the college and, and this, that and the other. Um, so there's a very much a politics based around, you know, high school and college level sports. And a very recent one, and I, I, I forgot his name, but he, in America, in his real life story, he violently assaulted a girl, like really violently assaulted her. And the judge, the judge wanted to give him a lighter sentence because it would ruin his swimming career. Mm. Um, and he came from, you know, a rich family for what he could get away with. And uh, I don't know the follow up on it, but I think he, and there was a big, you know, mass sort of protest against mm. it and said, Oi, no, this is not right. Yeah. I don't care if he's Michael fucking Phelps. Mm. You know, he did this. He's been found guilty of it. He should be um, yeah. punished. Um, so, and that's quite recent. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's been put in a film from 1999 means that this shit has been going on yeah. for a very long time Absolutely. now. Yeah. Jesse asks Rachel if she'll go to his football game whilst Tracy rants about them being together and how something needs to be done to stop them. To which Mark clearly has an idea. Mark looks so much like Ethan Hawke to the point that I was having trouble believing it wasn't Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Mark goes to speak with Jesse in the gym, apologises to him, um, but Jesse tells him that he's not the one he should be apologising to. Rachel goes makeup shopping, um, whilst the shop assistant watches her because she's all gothic and edgy and shit. <laughs> yeah, very uh, pretty woman. <laughs> Tracy's friend shows up, uh, Monica, and pretends to be Rachel's friend to find out if she's going to the football game and asks if she'll go to Mark's party afterwards. Yes. Uh, Mark also asks Jesse to go to the party and gives him the keys to go to his parents' summer house. Yeah, as an, an apology. Um, yeah, so... I mean, how they didn't know they were up to something, I really I know, know. <laughs> I know. So, Rachel questions herself in the mirror as to what makeup to use. She puts on way too much blusher and then washes it all off. I don't know what this scene's meant to mean. <laughs> um, also, I'm pretty sure she's been wearing makeup, her own she style has. of makeup throughout the whole film. <laughs> and now suddenly she wants to wear a nice peachy pink colour lipstick mm-hmm. uh, for Jesse. I, I, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, so um, Rachel and Jesse... Oh, Jesse picks up Rachel. Yeah. And she's dressed like a proper girl. She is. She's got a nice baby blue dress on. Yeah. She's got a head and real nice. She don't look like Brian May anymore. <laughs> um, she's got a nice girly makeup palette on. Um... And she's ready for a date. Yeah. They go to the summer house, start getting it on with some really strange editing and music choices. Oh, don't. I know. Yeah. It's, it looks like Channel 5 saucy drama. Um, saucy drama. <laughs> I don't know what they'll go for with that. Um, but someone is watching outside. Yeah, we see a shadow in the window. Um, where's the lion in bed? Post-coitus. Yes. Uh, Rachel sneaks home and gets a slap from her foster dad. For uh, sneaking out. And yeah. she's grounded. She is. The jocks are getting pre-game haircuts. 
Okay, yeah. So, they decided, because the because of to- toxic masculinity, <laughs> that they're all going to shave their heads before the yeah. game. The issue with this is that it makes it very confusing from this point onwards, <laughs> because they all look the fucking <laughs> same. <laughs> um, yeah. So, very confusing. Um, Jesse comes in and watches them having their head shaved, and he passes on it. Mm-hmm. He, you know, so we need to know who that one is. That's that one's important. Yeah, we need to know who he <laughs> is. Uh, we also really need to know that he's different to the other jobs. Yes, yeah. which is why he keeps his hair. Uh, Sue goes back to Arkham and tries to convince Rachel's mum to tell Rachel who her father is because the scene when they went back to the school ruins. Uh, Sue tried telling Rachel, but she won't have any of it, was she? Yeah, she needs to know from. Um, her mum. Yeah. And she never actually does tell her. No. <laughs> no. Um, this whole Snoo... Uh, Snoo. Again. stop doing that. This whole Sue thing is actually kind of pointless. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Really, by the end. It is basically just to say, here, this is a Carrie sequel. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rachel listens to the football game on the radio, which is really weird. Why would a school football game be... Because they the take it really serious. That's so weird. Yeah, because they take it really serious. Um, uh, there's some funky music playing. At the oh same yeah, time this as well, is this is when get. Sue sneaks Rachel's mum out of Arkham really easily. Yeah. Uh, with absolutely no security measures at the no. asylum whatsoever. No. Yeah. No wonder Batman's been in business for so Look long. Look over there. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> if, if you ever want to know how you know the DC comics have been going for so long, it's because Arkham security Arkham is shit. Security <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we get 70s disco music playing. Yeah, so random. Could they not afford, like, the... Uh, educa- the original soundtrack. The ed- Education Blues. <laughs> um, Rachel sneaks out of a window to go to the game. Rachel's mum says hi to George whilst who drives her. Hi, George! Yeah. <laughs> George is, of course, invisible, because uh, Rachel's mum is crazy. Of course. Jesse wins the football game, or whatever the term is for that shit. Um, and Jesse tells one of the jocks to tell Rachel to wait outside for him whilst he talks to a talent scout. Doesn't yeah. go that way, does it? No. Um, Jesse's friend, who I don't know his one name. Of them. One, one of, of the them. jocks. Kind of bold. Uh, he tells Rachel that Jesse's going to meet her at the party, so they give her a lift there instead. Yeah. Um. So her, Monica, and another girl that hasn't been established, who I thought was Tracy, but it wasn't <laughs> Tracy, um, they get ready on the drive to the party for some reason. Yeah, well, listen to a song, a nine, very 90s song about being a backstabbing liar. Yeah. But listen yeah. to the radio, Rachel, it's trying to tell you. It's like fun of this nation. Jesse's finished with the uh, scout, and he finds that his car... Has been completely trashed. Yeah. Seemingly by the opposing team in some yeah. act of revenge for his uh, uh, game-winning touchdown. Uh, tr- luckily, Tracy's there in her car in her cheerleading uniform to uh, to give him a lift. Um, she then, as they drive off, disposes of the spray can. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> which I fucking hate in films. <laughs> Is the fact that she's had plenty of time to get rid of that spray can. Why would she get rid of it with him sat right next to her? Because we need to know she did it. Yeah. I fucking hate that. And then just as they leave, Sue and Rachel's mum turn up and ask uh, one of the students that are left behind, oh, yeah, uh, so where's uh, where's Rachel? And he's like, oh, yeah, the one with the tattoo. Yeah. Was a tattoo even on show? Tattoo, yeah. <laughs> so she went with Monica. 
So Arnie and his friends are doing donuts in their car um, outside of Mark's house, waiting for someone to invite him in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rachel says she'll try and get him in eventually. Um, Ra- Rachel, for them, she don't. Yeah, Rachel arrives at the party and everyone's staring at her. They can't believe this it. Is... <laughs> I kind of wish they'd established her as more of a, you know. Um... Bitch, yeah, but, you know, not like a you know, like a badass beforehand. Like, if she'd been that kind of girl that was like, um, oh, from Mean Girls, Janice Ian, yeah, who was sort of like, you know, yeah, I'm different, fuck you, you know. Mm-hmm. If they'd established that a little more, then I could have understood why everyone was staring at yeah. like, oh my god, she looks like a real girl and she's at our <laughs> party. Ooh. Uh, Tracy tries seducing Jesse with a really shit blue dress um, and then takes it off and tells him that if Rachel cares about it, she won't care if he's late. Yeah, which I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Rachel, sta- Rachel starts dancing with all her new friends at the party um, until a videotape is played and Rachel is given the book of conquest. So it's a really weird... Scenes of all the jocks like picking her up and yeah. like twirling her around, and she's she's like laughing and she's having a great time, and it's very reminiscent of the first film, yeah, where um, that very long se- sequence of um, Carrie and Tommy Tommy Doyle, yeah, yeah. Tommy, Tommy Doyle Tommy from Halloween, Doyle, for fuck's sake, Tommy oh, Ross, too many films, Tommy too many Ross. names to remember. A uh, Tommy Ross um, twirling, you know, an amazing shot that goes on forever. So I think I'm trying to do their version. Yeah, it's a direct. That. This this whole sequence is a direct parallel. Yeah. Of the first one. Um, but it doesn't like again in the original film. This is all Carrie ever wanted. She just wanted a date to the prom. She just wanted to feel like everybody else. Mm. Which is why it's so weird that Rachel in this film she kind of changes who she is for jesse yeah but she's not dancing with jesse no she's dancing with these people that she hates yeah you know and she you know and i wish that it was different and i wish that that maybe i know it would have been a complete rip-off of the original but if you if you're gonna rip it off you might as well rip it off 100 percent and have her there dancing with jesse yeah um but you know it's fine, the way it is. Yeah, they, they show her the shag book, um, which also has Lisa's name in it. And Eric arrives, being a smug little prick, and starts uh, talking about how he almost split Lisa in two and discusses how many points he would give her. Um, they then shot, They then turn all the TVs around and start showing uh, the secretly recorded footage of Rachel and Jesse having sex on, the, on all those big screens for everyone to see. Yes. Uh, at this point, this is the equivalent of the pig's blood in the original. Uh, so she starts seeing everyone laughing at her. And we hear it, the iconic line, what was it? I'm going to laugh at you. Thank you. Um, whilst everyone gathers around and just keeps laughing at her. We also get another iconic line when someone asks, Is that a zit on your ass? <laughs> yeah, that's a zit on your ass. What? Yeah, do you not hear that? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rachel then makes the door slam shut. And this is when shit goes crazy. Yeah. A, a just, tattoo. Just, sorry, just a little bit on that video 
Um, I think it's quite telling that they thought that the biggest humiliation that they could bring against Rachel is a videotape of her having sex with Jesse. But there's never a mention of how Jesse would react to it. Yeah, it's just weird. The nines are fucking weird. I mean, why would this be funny? Why would it be humiliating? Like, okay, yeah, so what? She had sex. I mean, yeah. Big um, deal. But it's so telling. And it's still to this day, as we sit here in 2021, it is way more prominent that a woman would be shamed for having sex and slut-shamed than it would be a man. Yeah. Like, seriously, the biggest humiliation they could think of is for them to show her having sex with Jesse, and that wouldn't be an embarrassment for Jesse. Even, Even though throughout the whole film, these jocks have been trying to shag everything with a pulse... Mm. It's still the biggest embarrassment that they could think of for Rachel would be to show her having sex and being on the receiving end of it. And I think it's Mm. quite telling because that's still, to this day, you're more likely, as a woman, to be sex-shamed than you ever would a man. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It it really is. The whole idea of it is just... It, it's bizarre. I, I, I've never understood it. And we... Today, and it's probably why we can reassess a film like this. Is because from a modern perspective, we now understand this and understand it's wrong. Whereas back in 1999, it was probably just glossed over. Like, yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah. And the gender politics at play in what is just a you know sequel to carry a late 90s teen horror film you know to have those gender politics in there is really quite refreshing yeah for, for 2021 um but would have went over people's heads Back in 1999, yeah. I, mean, I fully believe that. Looking between now and looking between uh, between now and 1999, how many leaked sex tapes can you think of where the big deal wasn't the woman? Absolutely. There's not a single one. Absolutely. Always, I mean, you, you look back, you, you know, Paris Hilton, um, yeah. Kim Kardashian. Yeah. I can't think of a single male one that's where it was a big deal where everyone's like oh my god it's, it's, oh there's male celebrities had a sex tape leaked maybe leaked nudes here or there but a sex tape and someone having sex and being ashamed for it yeah well you think of the huge deal that was made of you know these this Paris Hilton sex tape um Kim Kardashian sex tape I mean no one could even name who the guys were no. in the videos no no idea um the oh was it Vanessa Hutchins that yeah, big thing yeah. where hers was released and you know it was gonna ruin her career she's a Disney mm. star she's never gonna recover from this her career is in tatters yeah she needs to make a fucking public apology for you know sending nude photos and just recently Chris Evans accidentally posted a picture that everyone presumed to be his it geni- was it was genitalia. Yeah. And everyone was like, either really hot and horny for it, yeah, or playing it up as a laugh, one yeah. big joke. You know, if that was mm-hmm. a woman, you know, you think of the times that 
upskirt pictures of Britney Spears, uh, Lindsay Lohan getting out of cars, where mm. the photographers were trying to get as low as possible yeah. to see if they're wearing knickers or not. Yeah. You would never in a million years have that as a man. No. And it's just, it, it, it's really, we, we know this now. And yeah. there are no excuses, no fucking excuses for any of this to be okay. Which is why in 2021, we can watch this film and say, actually, you're making a good point there. Mm. This, you know, female director is making a good point yeah. there. Yes, it's a little heavy handed in places. That's purely from, you know, a film critique, you know, because it is a film. Yeah. But the politics on display, you can say, actually, yeah. Well, look at right. it compared to Sorority Row, which was released 10 years later mm. after this. Um, where, you know, that whole film's plot comes about because the women in the film, the girls, they set up a filmed date rape yeah. prank. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that was that was just made as, you know, something funny as, as a mm. plot point in a film. Absolutely. And it comes to something where, I mean, that was obviously, my point here is that was directed by a man. Yeah. And you look at this directed by a woman 10 years earlier and it's handled much better. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it, it all makes this next sequence of events even more satisfying. Yes. Um, Rachel slams all the doors and her tattoo starts expanding to her face, chest and her arm. It is. It's a little ridiculous. <laughs> it, it looks it, it looks a bit stupid. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. She makes the windows explode, um, which slits a few of the guests' throats and sends a fire poker through one of the jocks' head as he tries to escape, but it goes through the door and kills Sue. Yeah, Sue's on the other side, having a little nose through the uh, peephole, isn't she? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, goes through the jock's head and then goes through her head as well. So, rest in peace, Sue. Yeah. Uh, we hardly knew thee. It gets really gory uh, from this point onwards, which really surprised me um, when I first watched it. I wasn't expecting this. Um, the CGI looks a bit dodgy, but the practical effects look good. Mm. Uh, a girl is murdered with CDs. How is a freestyle? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rachel's mum arrives, and Mark finally realizes and points out that Rachel is causing all of this. How long did it take you? I know, right? <laughs> the whole idea that her tattoo just grew in front of your eyes and didn't, uh, you know, make you think that something's up. And because it's uh, released after Scream, we needed one, uh, one big trailer. Um, one fe featured in the trailer scene where someone tells a joke about what's going on and we get Arnie watching from a distance saying, man, we're missing one killer party. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yes, because uh, they can see that the house is now engulfed in flames um, from some smashed bottles of booze and um, the fireplace, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Monica, Eric and Mark trying to find guns. But all they find is, like, spear guns and a flare gun. Yeah. Rachel finds them and starts stalking them. Monica's CGI glasses smash. <laughs> and she uh, ends up spearing Eric in the genitals because she can't see. Uh, Rachel's mother calls her name, which uh, distracts her for a second. And Mark shoots her with a flare gun. She falls into the pool and drags Mark in with her as the cover closes. Rachel manages to escape, but Mark's left under the cover and drowns in I wish the swimming pool. He, I wish he got a better death scene. I wish he'd got a better death scene. I wish it was 
over-the-top, exploding heads, body parts, proper, you know, ha, you deserve that. Yeah. Um, Rachel's mum holds her. She then... Is it black and white? No. Is, oh, is it not black no, and white? No, it's not. She then... Um, Rachel appears as a child to her mother, uh, to which her mum says, Who are you? You're not my little girl. The devil's in you. And she, 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 she just fucks off, don't she? Yeah. She actually just fucks off. You she just leaves. see her again. Well, you don't see her again. Um, so she leaves and Rachel um, begs God to just let her die. Jesse and Tracy appear. And what the fuck is Tracy wearing? I don't know what Tracy's wearing. I, I prefer the blue dress that yeah. she had. Um, I don't also don't understand why Jesse and Tracy would enter a house that's in flames. <laughs> Um, but they did. Uh, Jesse, maybe, but I, d- I don't see why Tracy would have. No. Well, but Tra- look, lucky for us. <laughs> yeah, Tracy's killed for a bad fashion sense. Yeah. Uh, Rachel drops a burning piece of the ceiling on top of her. Um, then we find out Rachel was worth 30 points as she tells Jesse about uh, him using her. Um, so 30 points is quite a lot, really, considering mm. the other girl, who wasn't even fat, was worth six points. Yes, yeah, apparently. You know, crazy. Um, oh, it's because of conversion, wasn't it? Yeah. Because they thought she was a lesbian, so he gets extra for conversion points. There we go. Um, he confesses his love to her, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, in person and via the videotape, so he said he loved her while she was sleeping, uh, and they go to kiss, but a piece of the ceiling caves in. Rachel pushes... Pushes. Pusses. Pusses. Oh, my God, I can't get my words out today. Rachel pushes Jesse out of the way and sacrifices herself to save him. Mm-hmm. She confesses her love and dies after sending Jesse flying to the pool for safety. His arm, his arm's on fire, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one year later, we see Jesse at college and... Um, Warm our hearts. He's got Walter the dog <laughs> yes. on his bed. Uh, Walter still looks bored. <laughs> what? Well, he still looks bored. Um, his arms scarred from the fire. We then have Rachel appearing through his window. She climbs in through the window, uh, slowly, very slowly, very close up of her feet, and uh, she's got a, she's got nails painted on her feet as well, which I thought was a little out of character. Uh, and then they kiss, but then she. she really shittily CGI cracks <laughs> like pottery and disappears the clock strikes midnight and Jesse just stares into the mirror as the film ends and we get some late 90s rock playing over the yeah. credits crazy little voices by Ra there we go <laughs> um, um, yeah that last dream sequence is very shit. I know what you did last summer yeah urban legend um, maybe not urban legend but no I know it's definitely I know what you did last summer they, they obviously Obviously, the fact that Carrie had a great jump scare at the end, dream yeah. sequence, they had to do the same. The CGI looked cheap. Um, it wasn't really... I mean, you could see it coming a mile off. You know, I just thought it was a bit, bit of a shit end. You know, I'd rather they just left it at the party. Yeah. Or, you know, at like a... a what do you call it? A cold end. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's The Rage Carrie 2. Uh I, I do think this is a really good sequel. I mean, you know, it's like we said, it's never going to compare it to the original, but 
it for what it is, it, I think it's really good and definitely doesn't deserve its low ratings that everyone's gave it over the years. Absolutely. I think for a film like this to tackle the um, gender politics that it does, um, yes, it's quite heavy handed, uh, feels quite relentless. And it's like, you know, we get the point, you know, do you know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes I think the jocks are too um, bad, you know, it feels unreal or over the top. But it's quite campy. It's yeah. entertaining. You know, you're entertaining throughout. There's some good gore at the end, um, minus the CGI. And it's, just, it's quite a fun film to, to watch as well. Uh, the performances are quite good. Yeah. Um, I think Emily, Emily Burgle. Yeah. Uh, in the, um, as Rachel in the main role. I think she does quite well. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's pretty much a remake of Carrie. I wouldn't call it a sequel, um, but yeah, fun time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I think it's a film that needs a, a reassessment. Yeah. Let us know what you think of the Rage Carrie Two. Uh, we are on social media: Horror Culture Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Culture Trash on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like and follow on everything else. I am DelacGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd. Next week, we are bringing you <laughs> another round of Conjuring Ripoffs. Yay. We're bringing you Conjuring Nuts and Trash Volume 2. And this time, we're discussing... A film that doesn't really try hiding its uh, rip-off status for its title. Conjuring the Witch's Doll. <laughs> and closely followed by The Curse of the Nun. Lovely. Yeah. Look forward to that. <laughs> uh, in celebration of The Conjuring 3 being released uh, oh, yes. uh, the day after. And uh, Friday next week, because it's double episode week, we'll be bringing you the Poltergeist Original Versus Remake episode. Yay. So we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.